Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. Rather than focus on a specific film, today's conversation is going to be more big picture. My guests all represent companies that are bringing digitization to some aspect of the filmmaking process. First, Michael R. Williams, your line producer, DGA UPM, and the founder of Think Crew, which allows crews to create a production schedule in a collaborative cloud-based environment. Michael, welcome to Below the Line. Thanks for having me. Next, Sam Patton. You're a union production accountant and the director of operations at Castify, soon to be every set, which is a production management and payroll platform for productions of all sizes. Sam, glad you could join us. Excited to be here. And then finally, Alex Laverde. You're a technology entrepreneur and the co-founder of Sync on Set, a software company that modernizes how crews manage script breakdowns, maintain continuity, and track physical assets. In early 2020, Sync on Set was acquired by Entertainment Partners, the industry-leading payroll company. Alex, nice to see you. Hey, thanks for having me. So gentlemen, let's talk that big picture. What is the challenge of film management for which digitization is the solution? Well, I've always you know, been struck by the irony of you know, the fact that we're really a technology-based industry. I mean, the, you know, camera, sound, visual effects, all the things that we do are at the highest end of technology on the planet. But the management of all of that uh, really is still in a paper-based model. Uh, even if you're using tools like Google Sheets or, or things that are online, these are all things that are intended to be ultimately printed and handed out. And that's uh, really what I think this generation of technological tool makers, which are represented here and there's others as well, are really trying to concentrate on, you know, how do we take all of the seemingly infinite amount of detail that needs to be put into a film and how do we manage that better using these technological tools that have been developed so that we're not just telling some person as they pass us by in the hallway, oh, hey, did you remember to do this thing? That we can actually talk to everyone all at the same time and get them data in real time. And I think that's ultimately our goal uh, in the broadest possible sense. From my perspective, you know, I, I didn't come to this industry working on film sets and came at it as a technology entrepreneur. So I can kind of identify with, you know, people who listen to this coming from outside the industry. But I, I think the thing that always struck me about the entertainment business is when you think about, especially large scale production, you know, putting together a crew and starting a company, spending a hundred million dollars, let's say in nine months, and then closing it down in any other business context, there's such a organic, or in the case of like a tech startup, there's such a such a strong kind of venture capital, you know, infrastructure behind what's going to happen. It's going to happen over a period of years. In the case of motion picture production or television production, you're talking about putting together an incredible amount of resources, people, equipment, in, a, in an environment that's just tons of uncontrolled variables. And then as Michael said, I mean, for many reasons, a lot of that innovation happened on what shows up on camera. Uh, and there's just a lot of analog processes that exist everywhere else. And I think a lot of that has to do with just how ad hoc and how creative people have to be to just get this done, right? Every product is a battle and you're just walking into it saying, how do I get through this thing is, is what I perceive with many of our, our clients and as I got to know people. And so, um, you know, the tools they use are the ones that they were able to just kind of figure out. There wasn't as much, you know, kind of thoughtful innovation, you know, cross-pollination, especially because 
to kind of get somewhere where you really understand what the problems are that need to be solved in production. You probably don't also have the, except for Michael, <laughs> you don't have the technical chop uh, or the, 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 you know, sort of engineering background and necessarily go build those tools. It's a totally different skill set. There's not a lot of cross-pollination that we see, you know, in some other industries, uh, specifically with the onset production piece of it. So yeah, for those reasons, it's, uh, it's just a wildly complicated wild west. You know, Alex, I think that's a, a really interesting take on that and sort of a different set of eyes on it. And it also strikes me something else that Michael said earlier about the initial digitization, if you will, the use of computers or spreadsheets or, um, I, you know, I used to do call sheets on Excel. It was really recreating the paper copies faster. It wasn't really a new approach to how the actual information was processed. And so it does take a, another level of innovation to get there. In addition to what Alex said about the urgency uh, of, of a film set trying to spend 10 to $100 million in three months without misplacing a penny. In addition to that urgency, there's also the fact that the people coming together to make that movie are coming, they've never, not, most of them have never worked together. Maybe a few have worked together here, but we're really taking hundreds of people who've never worked together, bringing them together, and we need a system that works. So their skill sets and their tools need to be interoperable. And for a lot longer than I think people may have expected, paper has allowed that interoperability to flourish. It makes it hard to build tools sometimes that need to be used by multiple departments because it may work really well for one department and not for another, and that can be a real challenge. And as Alex said, when you're in the trenches, you just, you're just trying to get it done. And anything that costs you a few minutes or a few hours is a tool you have to scrap and go back to paper. I think there's another component of it, which is around, you know, rewards for risk-taking are kind of minimal if you're on-set crew, right? People who are getting hired to, to do these jobs, working in production, the, the reward that you get for taking a risk on a new way of doing things, I just, I don't know what that, what that looks like. It's not, I don't really feel like it's an area where, uh, again, coming from a technology standpoint, we have this, this mantra of like, fail fast, Right you know, move fast and break things and then fail fast, right? That way you learn, you can keep iterating. I, I don't get the sense that you get rewarded for doing that, you know, as a production coordinator, you know, failing fast is, you know, you're not working with us again, right? Because we just need to get it done. And I think it's true for, you know, all the department keys and people kind of learn that like this apprentice model. And so it creates a little bit of a, a kind of an incentive structure as people move up uh, through the industry to not necessarily, you know, uh, reinvent the wheel. It's let's just keep, you know, doing what's worked and let's iterate on it maybe slightly. Get my own little spin on it. I got my own little Word doc. I got my own little Excel sheet uh, in many cases. And that works as a template for, you know, uh, you know call sheets, you know, location, tech scout booklets, whatever, whatever that, that thing might ultimately be. And, and yeah, it, it works and people will, will get that through. And I think what's fascinating about what's happened and we'll talk about it, but with COVID is that it kind of threw out a lot of those preconceived notions around what the incentive structure needs to be because people couldn't get together and a million, a million things that kind of went into, you know, why that changed the landscape. The way I look at it from, from think crews perspective is, you know, there's, there's two jobs that we do. One is that we create tools that people find useful. Um, but then equal to that task, the other half of that job is promoting changes in those workflows because, and I think you put it beautifully, like, I mean, there is a, you know, a perceived risk in making a change. You know, if you've learned one way to tame the lion uh, and it works, uh, when someone else comes up with a new way, you may be a little cautious in, 
using that new way to tame that lion. And I think right. that's that's equally our job um, as developers uh, and as tool builders to convince everyone, hey, look, this is a way that's going to work. Uh, and it's actually not just going to work. It's going to make your job better and easier and free you up to do things that you consider your primary job, but you don't get to do because you're busy dealing with all of the minutia of trying to communicate your message to everyone. Alex, you mentioned the pandemic, and we're going to talk about how that has uh, affected the willingness of folks to go into digitization. But all of your companies were founded before there was the pandemic. And I'd like to go around the table just one at a time, give me a little more detail about the problem you're trying to solve with the idea, these hurdles we talked about getting people onto these new systems. How in the early days um, were you able to challenge those or overcome those hurdles as far as getting started. Michael, why don't you kick us off talking about ThinkCrew? Yeah, uh, ThinkCrew solves one specific problem right now. I mean, I, I consider ThinkCrew to be a platform upon which other tools can be built. So the, the problem that we started with was schedules because after you have your script, the schedule is the next piece of that puzzle. Um, and then all of that data ends up flowing downstream, if you will, from that schedule into you know things like sync on set or tools that, people are consuming schedule data and then doing other really interesting things with it. So the problem that we solve specifically is that we take that script data, we, we you know put it into a breakdown, create a shooting schedule, and then share that shooting schedule with the crew and then repeat that as often as necessary. And look, that's not a new thing. Like, you know, obviously there are tools that have done that since the nineties and there are an ever increasing number of those tools. What we're concentrating on though is providing tools that improve your speed, your collaboration, and your ability to do that work wherever you are. Um, and you know that is everything from utilizing new interface tools um, that are innovative, that make you feel like you're really in your data, things like drag and drop and push notifications, to allowing you to, like I said, use your data anywhere. So you should be on your mobile or if you're on a laptop uh, or on your, uh, an iPad. You know, the number of ADs that need to change the schedule on a tech scout is enormous. And I think people end up holding, you know, notebook computers uh, in their hands, sort of, you know, wobbling it around, <laughs> trying to change these schedules, you know, as they're standing there in a van. And when you hand them a tablet and you say, hey, listen, you can actually do your schedule, like their, light, their eyes just light up. They're like, oh my God, thank you. And then, you know, it's also reimagining ways that you can deal with a schedule. So like one of the tools that we came up with was the ability to change your schedule inside the day out of days. So you can actually drag those day columns around and reorder your schedule. And I think when you think in terms of a schedule specifically as data, you realize that, oh, wait, I can, I can move that data in a number of different ways. I don't need to just move it in the traditional way. So it's throwing all those kinds of new ideas into the mix. That's how we're trying to solve this particular issue until we jump into the next issue, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point. Thanks, Michael. Sam, tell us more about what uh, Castify is uh, uh, trying to resolve. Sure. So Castify was started by the co-founders Rum and Eby. And Rum came from a background in production accounting, working on studio TV shows. And one of the challenges she saw that just seemed that just struck her as solvable was background payroll and the entire process of of uh t onboarding you know taking a payroll information for dozens even hundreds of people in a single day for one day of work and then processing them as w-2 employees and there are lots of companies that that do that but again all of them 
this is, it'll be a theme today, right? A lot, all of them rely on paper, a lot of paper. And so she was seeing that a lot of tasks that took hours and hours ought to be tasks that took minutes if the right tools were built. So she and Evie set out to tackle that problem by founding Castify, which uh, was the first company to uh, get SAG approval to use a digital voucher for SAG background employees. And that was in 2018, I believe. And from there, they have brought those digital tools to a lot of studios, a lot of production companies of different sizes. With the pandemic, they actually rebuilt uh, their platform from the ground up, took the opportunity to uh, retool it and focus more less on the casting. They used to do a lot of uh, be involved in the casting process. They're now more focused on the payroll process. And what's very exciting is that we're in the process of uh, expanding those tools out to also handle crew onboarding and payroll. We're not a payroll company ourselves. We're payroll company agnostic, I like to say. Uh, we do have a deep integration with GreenSlate and their API, but we can work with different payroll companies. And so we're really about giving people the tools that traditionally, if you look at the payroll process, uh, there's data collection in the form of start work and time cards. There's calculation uh, of those time cards to figure out what to pay people. There's an approval process that also traditionally happens on paper. And then there's the payroll company. We're focused on the first three and we're focused on keeping everything digital in the first three. So you don't collect information on paper, type it into a computer to calculate it, print it to paper for approvals, and then send it to a payroll company to type back into a computer. We're trying to keep it all uh, digital through that whole process. And like I said, we're expanding in this quarter to focus on crew payroll and the company's uh, rebranding uh, to be called Every Set. So by the time your listeners are hearing this, uh, it's likely that we will have completed that launch. And one last point to make is simply that prior to the pandemic, prior to 2020, I, I can recall because I began my journey with Castify as a client that EB and Rum were kind of pushing for the future and it was exciting and it was interesting and it was important. But today it feels really urgent when we're on calls with studios and production companies who are coming to us going, we need a solution that's digital. We can't rely on paper anymore. So that, that really feels like a sea change that happened in the last year. Alex, take us into that sea change um, in talking about Sync on Set. When did you found Sync on Set? And then with the purchase in early 2020, now that's in the early days of the pandemic. Talk to us about what that evolution was like for your company. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I do just want to say I'm such a fan of these these uh, two other guys and their companies. Um, but uh, Rum, the co-founder of Castify, I don't know if you'll mind me sharing, but it's funny hearing the, hearing the founding story. As she was doing that founding story, uh, she had actually applied and we had offered her a job to start at Think On Set back in like 2014, I want to say, as our first customer success hire. She was going to really help us build out a client service business. And uh, it was funny when we were signing our offer letter, she's like, she's like, well, I have this part-time thing that I don't want to give up. And I'm like, well, what is it? You can't, you know, you can't have anything part-time. You got to be all focused on Think On Set. And lo and behold, it, you know, ended up not working out. She decided to go pursue that full-time. And then years later, I realized she's reinventing casting. So Really, really cool to see that business develop. Happy to talk about Think Onset. So we, I started Think Onset in 2012. Again, no, no background in, in film production. Um, I, I came at it because my co-founder and I were trying to track down a pair of sunglasses that we saw in a movie that we thought were cool. And we wanted to make an app for people to buy sunglasses from their, their favorite actor or character on their favorite movie or TV show. And in the process, we stumbled into a costume department in New York City where we got to know how were the sunglasses being tracked and we discovered it was still on paper in 2012, right? There was a three ring binder that was called the wardrobe Bible 
and it was being tracked for continuity purposes. Uh, and continuity for people that don't know is this whole process of, you know, we don't, we don't shoot films or TV shows uh, in order in which they're finally cut, right? We shoot them when we can get locations and actors available. And so for that reason, it's a huge burden to avoid continuity errors to track continuity. And that involves taking really detailed notes about your script, having really detailed notes on set uh, of every, every actor, every costume, every prop, every makeup and hair choice, um, having those documented with both notes and photographs. And the logical way to do that for people who um, you know, didn't have a computer engineer computer engineering background or didn't have supercomputers in their pockets until, you know, 2012 with iPhones and iPads becoming ubiquitous, uh, was to manage it with a, a three-ring binder. And so we set out to replace the three-ring binder with a modern software solution. And so that started with both a web application and a mobile app that would essentially allow, starting with wardrobe departments, this process of, you know, break down your script take all your continuity photos on set, enter in all your inventory, right? All these itemized descriptions of every costume piece, do that all from an iPhone. And that way, when it all shows up back at the truck or shows up back, uh, you know, during a wrap process, you've got that information tracked digitally once. And now it is, you know, going to persist throughout that entire process. So that was the, 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 the way that we started with, with Think On Set. And it's funny, going back to the earlier conversation around incentives and innovation. It was funny when we first had this idea, we were like, okay, we've got this great idea to replace the binder, but you know, who's going to adopt this? This is like a pretty big sea change in the way that wardrobe departments work. And it was funny that the people that we could get to try it first were the most experienced costume supervisors and designers working in New York. We thought we were going to, you know, we, we'd reach out to friends who were closer to our age, right, in film school and doing indie stuff. And they were like, nah, I don't have any time and I, I don't want to risk this. But no, it was, you know, the, the, the wardrobe team on the Wolf of Wall Street doing this hundred million plus production that was willing to take a chance on it because they're like, look, we've got uh, a huge operation here. We've got a lot of pain points, multi-unit. We want to solve that with technology. Let's go for it. Let's give it a shot. Um, a lot of ups and downs with that first beta project, but eventually we figured out the technology and then and then the tool just sort of spread, right? So we, we solved for costumes and we solved for makeup and hair, props and set decks. And eventually studios took notice and said, hey, this is really interesting information. We'd love to make props and costumes available for reuse going from show to show to show, going from unit to unit. Is there a way to bring all this together? So we started solving for enterprise physical asset management back in 2017. So we started the, the company in 2012. By 2017, I would say about half of all U.S. productions had adopted Think Onset. Um, that number is probably, you know, getting getting closer and closer to almost everybody, um, you know, at this point because of the the pandemic has really accelerated things. But you know, so in 2017 we started working with studios. We got a handful of the major studios on board with 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 helping to manage their assets. And then Entertainment Partners came about in the in early 2020, actually before the pandemic. And then you can imagine, very weird year to be joining forces with another organization, especially one that has operated very differently. A very different type of company being around for 45 years versus our, our little startup. But um, yeah, we decided to join forces because with the, the direction that we were going with our technology, we realized a lot of this is going to overlap with um, a lot of the technology that a company like Entertain Partners has either developed, acquired, or is looking to develop. And so uh, they took a really keen interest in us and we, we just kind of lined up our roadmap and said, hey, actually, maybe we bring these two things together. And if we line them up, we can go do them together. So that's a big part of what we're doing now at Entertainment Partners is helping to uh, continue to evolve their technology, plug in some of their things. And it's been, yeah, it's been a fun and, and wild ride. Obviously, 
with the pandemic, that's another story, but, um, but at least from uh, bringing some technology together. So for those that aren't familiar, right, Entertain Partners being a big payroll company, mainly what they're known for, but they're obviously the company behind technology like Synchronize, uh, which it became a standard for how production office coordinators manage uh, scripts and breakdowns and movie magic around budgeting and scheduling. Uh, and then they do a whole lot with finance departments and how accountants work with smart accounting and how people get paid and all of that. So anyway, very broad set of technology that we, we get to we get to partner up with now. Well, let's talk more about how the pandemic, Sam, you alluded to it earlier, made this a more urgent issue. And well, I could have seen it go either way that, uh, you know, the, the stresses of working in this environment, people push off innovation. At the same time, we were very much trying to get away from paper. We were going back to work. How did that affect you guys and the environment that you're working in? Well, I was actually on a show. I was line producing a show for Netflix um, when the pandemic happened. So we were... We were actually fully prepped. Uh, I mean, equipment loaded in trucks. We were going to start shooting. It was a Friday and we were going to start shooting on Monday. And we got the call that uh, that studio was shutting down all of its shows because of the pandemic and rightfully so. So we were left with the quandary of how do we take the show that we designed for regular pre-COVID filming and then pivot and turn it into something that is this new world. And we had to do that on a timeline that was that preceded the rest of the industry really coming back. We were a relatively small show, so we could do that. And we did that by, you know, utilizing a lot of these uh, tools. I mean, obviously Zoom, like, you know, the whole world switched to Zoom. So we, we jumped into that. We started getting into digital onboarding and digital POs and virtual scouting, which was sort of a new thing that none of us had done before where our locations team just put a bunch of three, 360 degree cameras in sets. And then we could all sit there and, and look at the sets uh, and a variety of other tools. So this was kind of the kickoff for that time where, where everyone said, hey, listen, uh, new deal. <laughs> we got to figure out a new way to do this where we're not as close to each other. I mean, we prepped the entire movie from home. So there was no office during the reprep. And that's something that I can't think of a show that, that had, had prepped a movie without people being in the same room before. And we just had to figure it out uh, on top of all the safety stuff, which is, of course, you know, a separate topic. It really, you know, going back to that part of the discussion where we were talking about, you know, the adoption of new things, this was the moment where that sales pitch became not even a sales pitch anymore. Like it was just about people coming to you and saying, hey, how do I solve this problem? Like I, I can't be next to next to people. I need to be able to show stuff to people. I need to be able to, you know, do my work from a place that isn't a desk. It entirely flipped that paradigm of us having to go to people and saying, no, really, no, this is going to improve your job to people coming to us and saying, hey, I understand you guys do a thing. Can you tell me more about it? Because uh, now I really need it. Otherwise, I can't even do this, this job. I think it comes to reliability. And I think that this touches on what Alex and Michael have both said, which is the film industry, you know, Silicon Valley, maybe Silicon Valley is all about innovation and, and failing fast. Like Alex said, uh, the entertainment industry, especially production is much more conservative in the sense that it's about reliability. It's about being able to be counted upon to deliver the same results or, or, or quality results every single time. So the people, need to be reliable or they don't get hired. The tools need to be reliable or they don't get purchased or rented. And so one of the biggest problems for people is is try with trying out digital tools is they don't know how reliable they're going to be. And their reputation 
as a reliable you know grip production accountant production coordinator costume designer costume supervisor any of those positions their reputations on the line if they can't deliver on reliability so what was holding people back was that fear that they might try something out it wouldn't be reliable they wouldn't be reliable it would jeopardize their reputation and i think that when you'd show people technology, if it didn't do exactly what they thought it needed to do right away, they'd throw their hands up and say, not too risky, too risky, right? And they wouldn't have patience. And I think that one of the things that turned around is that that whole narrative flipped. I think everybody comes now to digital tools with a lot more patience. I'm finding that with, with crews and production accountants we work with, ADs that we work with. I'm finding a lot more people eager to learn how it works and then use it. And if it doesn't if they don't understand something right away, we, we work through that. That sort of attitude, that's that's new, it seems to me. And it's also simply the fact that they, they know they need these tools now to be reliable, right? So going back to that idea of reliability, before reliability meant being there on set, in person, present, ready to do anything you needed. Today, being reliable means being able to do that same job anywhere in the world. Right. So people know that they need these tools in order to be reliable, which the goal itself hasn't changed, but that everyone's understanding of what that takes has evolved. Yeah, I think that one of the things that I agree with, with both of these guys, but I think that one of the things that we've seen now kind of was like when people first came back, I feel like it was true. It's like we had crazy demand and people were, were very, you know, especially during like April, May, we did this huge master series where we're like, let's just do webinars. Everyone's stuck at home and we're stuck at home. We got nothing to do. And we're sitting here counting, like, who are we going to lay off and who are we going to have to furlough? I mean, everyone's in that position. Every business in the world is in that position other than Zoom, you know, <laughs> come April. So <laughs> we're all trying to figure that one out. And so we just said, OK, let's just teach everybody all of our stuff. Let's just get it all out there and teach everybody all our stuff and do it in a scalable, efficient way, safe way through webinars. So we did it. We actually did like 50 webinars as a company uh, over the, the kind of like two, three months that we were all at home. And then everybody came back. And I think that um, one of the things I found that, you know, for, for the people who didn't just jump on board with the right solution or kind of take that time to learn something new, one of the things that did happen is that people had to go digital, but they went digital with things that they were kind of familiar with, right? So it's like, I'm digital in my Excel sheet and I'm digital in my Dropbox and in my email and in my DocuSign and like things that I can kind of touch and feel and I'm kind of had used once before, but now I'm trying to do things at scale you know, not as not as relevant to some of the stuff that we do here, but like one of the areas that uh, that we've been involved with at EP is uh, the payments, like how to just pay vendors. Well, paying employees is one thing, right? Direct deposits, that's been a total new new thing for this industry because usually it's been checks. But uh, paying vendors was, you know, paper POs were circulated, paper invoices, it was a very paper-based process. And then uh, many people, you know, jumped on board with, okay, how do we solve this using anything that's available? Um, and that's where we realized, okay, we, we had this journey we were going to take our clients on to digitize the payments process that we, you know, when you're pushing it on clients and Michael, you know this, right? You could, you could take years to do that, right? It's like you slowly develop things and you get it in front of clients because it's going to take them a while to learn it, adopt it and make it part of their workflow. And you do it one phase at a time. And it was amazing to be like, okay, we solved the PO problem. And then right away, it was like, okay, well, where are invoices? Where are payments? Because we're doing all of this stuff at once now. It was like very overwhelming and, um, uh, and challenging. And, you know, our clients are obviously just going to go try to solve that whichever way they can. And now getting everyone to take another look at purpose-built solutions is going to be like that next challenge. Because people are kind of building, what I'm trying to say is that they're kind of building this muscle memory and these habits with the tools that were kind of readily available that were at least digital, um, but not necessarily efficient. 
Um, and so now there's a whole new, a whole new set of challenges that we're going to have to kind of to work with, but it's interesting. It's just, a, it's very different than, you know, the world that we, we came into. I really saw the pandemic as sort of from this, this topic's perspective, like it was a laboratory for all of these new ideas, right? Like it was, yeah. it was, you know, we're all thrown into this cauldron and now we got to figure out how to get out and, and do it safely. And the industry hasn't been in that kind of position. I mean, ever where we just, you know, even in the transitions from sound or to color or, you know, Cinerama or anything, there've always been sort of graceful moves. And this was a, you know, literally on a Friday, the industry changed and this scramble for these new tools. I've never seen anything before like it in the entire history of the industry. And, and this is a time where I think people reinvented and will continue to use those tools going around in the future because they realized, Oh, wait, the solutions that Castify offers, I haven't used those before, but those are great. We should use those even, even when the pandemic's over and sync on set, boy, that's a great tool. Like, you know, we should definitely be using something like that. And hopefully, you know, think crew is in there too. So it's, that's the thing that I take away from it is that the pandemic has changed the industry, not just during a pandemic, but forever. People have, have opened their eyes to these, to this new world of tools. And I think the industry is better for it. I remember that period of time because I watched the the Facebook groups for the production accountants in LA just start lighting up with recommendations for background payroll vouchers that were all digital. And I went, look at that. And, peop and people organically sharing <laughs> Castify word of mouth. And I'm like, I've been using them for years. At the time, I wasn't working for the company. I was I was a freelance production accountant. But I, it was it was amazing to watch that seem seemingly organically become something people were discovering. People People who were afraid before to try something new now urgently sharing the news about the best tools to use. It was it was an exciting transformation. Something that I think I had sort of felt for years, I was waiting for people to to realize how great these tools were and what they enabled. And then it kind of happened, like Michael said, overnight. And, and it seems forever. And I think that's because the people who can master the best tools can do their job the most efficiently, do more work, do better work, and they'll outcompete, you know, other people who are stuck in doing things inefficiently. I mean, that's just a simple simple process. I think it's very exciting how companies have taken these innovations and used them to help manage filming during the pandemic. But I also wonder if when the pandemic concerns start to recede, if there's going to be more indie and small companies that revert to doing things the way they were doing them before. And that might prevent this sort of innovation, the innovation we're talking about from becoming truly ubiquitous. Well, as, a, as an indie producer, you know, it, it, look, it's a, it's a mixed bag. I mean, there's, there's, you know, we're talking, it's hard to generalize about uh, a group of people as diverse as filmmakers, <laughs> but specific to the indie film world, I think you can say that they are quicker to adopt tools in general than studios or people who are making very large productions. And rightfully so. I mean, if, if you're a studio and your job is making a fistful of, you know, $200 million movies, you want to make sure that you're using tried uh, and true and, and very tested. And this has existed for a decade and it's never broken kind of technology versus, you know, if you're making a, you know, 5 million, 10 million, $15 million movie, not that you want things to break, of course you don't, but you, you're more willing to take a chance on something because you are nimble enough as a small production to pivot. I remember the first time I heard of Sync on set. Uh, I was doing a show in probably early 2013, uh, and my costume supervisor came to me and said, "Hey, there's this new thing called Sync on set, uh, and it allows you to do, you know, all of your budgeting and manage all your your uh, your wardrobe and and listed all of its attributes." 
And I was sitting there sort of with my head in my hands, like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard of. Why didn't <laughs> someone do this before? And in many ways, like that was the moment where I realized, wait a minute, like someone can just show up and do something like that. That's incredible. And it and ultimately led me to the decision to form Think Crew years later, you know, and we could take that chance. Like it was like, you know, well, you know, uh, this seems like a cool thing. Uh, let's give it a shot. And hopefully the, you know, this transition from the pandemic well, from pre-pandemic to pandemic to hopefully post-pandemic filming, people have had those moments where they got thrown into that corner and, and it was like, oh my God, how am I going to solve this problem? And now they can say, oh, well, here's how you solve that problem. You know, I use these new tools that were, turns out were really neat uh, and saved me money and time and were just more efficient. I think another kind of large trend that we're going to see coming out of this, and I think we're kind of feeling it right now, but I think there's just such a rush that people are just making it up as they go along a little bit and they just kind of doing what they have to, but is this huge talent shortage, right? Like there is a huge gap in experienced people and COVID, um, you know, I go talk to anybody, you know, uh, working as a, as a production key, they've got at least one or two people more on their team every department because of just COVID sanitation reasons and something that related to how are we going to communicate or coordinate uh, in pods or with whatever circumstances they're now thrown in. And each of them have one or two people that they've probably never worked with before, right? So you're just kind of plucking people out of other industries that may be, you know, permanently shut down, like, you know, live events or theater or something like that, that hadn't done motion picture or television production. And I think that that maybe more than anything is really going to lend itself to, I think, continued investment and innovation in these tools, because the reality is that a lot of what happens in production happens ad hoc, but it really doesn't need to be that way. Like there's a lot of the production process, this administrative stuff that we're talking about, putting a schedule together, managing costumes, uh, managing, you know, extras casting and, and, and making sure that people are paid correctly and, and, and tracked that is not necessarily the creative part of the job, right? These are just administrative parts of the job, but they're really, really bespoke in how they have to work. And this is a niche market, but you know, the economics of the industry are that there's going to be more and more production. The economics of software and technology investment is that it can be done on a much cheaper basis and more efficiently and more, it's more democratized that anyone can kind of put together these applications in a way, um, or it's becoming more that way that I think we're going to see, you know, just so many jobs to be done. So many things that could be, templated and there could be a framework for doing them through technology um, that we're going to see solved. And I think that the, yeah, the talent shortage in many ways, not just like, okay, I can't touch paper because it's unsafe or we need to be more efficient because we have these higher COVID costs. So we got to cut money someplace else. I mean, those are kind of the motivating factors, but now it's really like, I just, we just don't have, you know, consistently people who know how to do this anymore with their word template. So I've got to just bring in a tool um, that can help me get this job done. I think to that point, one of the interesting things that's happened, say, in the last 10 years, really, that, I, I, that I've been watching it, is that there's more technology stacks that allow smaller teams of developers to do really interesting niche software. This is a fun detour, but uh, when Michael said that he was inspired by Sync on Set, I was inspired to build, start building my own little FileMaker Pro software from using Poco, which was a forerunner to Think Crew that Michael <laughs> built uh, for production office coordinators back in my days in production. But the amount of software stacks that are built for small teams of developers to build special use tools has, has only grown. And so I, I think that we're going to see a lot more of these 
tools that can then function interoperably with other tools, right? I think a lot of people who've tried to tackle software for the film industry have tried to make some big software that goes end to end and covers everything and everybody. And, and those systems haven't always worked out because if one little thing doesn't work, we're stuck and we can't be stuck. We're making a movie. We have to keep plowing forward. Now to your point originally about whether indies are going to go back to using what they knew before, I would actually say it's, it's possibly different in that a lot of times those indie films have to adopt tools out of necessity. They can't hire a whole production accounting team. They can't hire a separate payroll accountant. They can't hire a whole team to handle all the paperwork. So they have to look for more creative solutions, but, but they also don't have as much money to pay for those solutions. So those solutions don't necessarily get developed. But when the studios take interest in software companies like Sync On Set, then the, the funding is there to really build them out and keep them robust. But that benefit then accrues to smaller productions too. So I think it's I think this continued push to digitize everything is going to benefit everybody making content at all levels. You know, Sam, to your point, you know, talking about all these different companies that are cropping up, I agree. And I think, you know, these are the early days. I mean, if you were to analogize where we are right now in this space, you know, this is 1910 in the, you know, electrical wars, right? Like the, this is the early days of a new technology where uh, our new set of technologies that we're going to be using in the future. And there's dozens of people in the space right now, but I think that's going to be hundreds very soon. And, you know, one of the things, you know, that Think Crew um, is advocating for is a methodology to move all of this data between all of our services. Because while, you know, an integrated system, I think ultimately is a goal um, and a laudable one so that, for instance, when the script changes, the schedule gets an update and then that updates the budget, um, and there's one holistic set, that's going to take some time before we before anyone gets there. Uh, and until that time, uh, we're going to have these different lakes of data all across the industry. We're going to have scheduled data. We're going to have, you know, uh, uh, wardrobe and prop budget data. We're going to have, you know, casting and onboarding data. Uh, and unless we have a way to actually get the data from one place to the other seamlessly, we're, we're going to end up creating systems that really aren't as usable as they could be. You know, one of the things, you know, that we have at Think Crew is all of the breakdown and schedule data for the, the entire film. And certainly downstream, you know, folks like Sync on Set or Set Hero or like any of the people who, who are further down that stream need to consume that data so that they can take it and then run with it and do another interesting and valuable thing with it. So one of the things that you know we're proposing is is a thing called the universal schedule standard, which is a a way to move the data from any scheduling software to anything that is further downstream, so that you know not only do those individual companies benefit, but the users benefit. Because if I know as a user that I can take my schedule and run with it and go to another place, then I feel like the entire space is more valuable. Uh, versus uh, you know I go and I use one tool and then you know well I'm a think crew guy, well, I'm a, you know, other scheduling company guy, then you're, you're trapped. There's no way to take that and go run with it and do something else interesting with it. Uh, and we've gotten a lot of buy-in too. Like this is something I've been, you know, advocating for, I don't know, six months, a year now. Um, and a lot of major players have actually said, yeah, this is something that we're interested in because it makes a lot of sense. This is the high tide that's going to raise everyone's boat. And so I hope, you know, in the future that users will actually be able to see this in their products. Um, and I think they will. I mean, certainly many companies already have, have decided to sign up. So uh, that's my hope for the future is that we can all share this information and make everyone's job easier, which is ultimately what we're here for. 
No, I, I completely agree, Michael. I think that that's a that's a a way of thinking that you know comes more from the tech industry in terms of interoperability and driving increased innovation. One thing has been fun in my you know my post sync on set as a you know founder life and now at Entertainment Partners, which has you know a collection of different applications that are that are being developed into more of a more and more an integrated suite. Has also been I lead up partnerships. And so we've been looking at, uh, well, some, in some cases, already making some investments, in other cases, you know, partnering with companies or putting companies together. But uh, it has been amazing to see the innovation that's out there, right? And starting to kind of get a glimpse into all of the different areas where people are, you know, coming to us saying, hey, can we plug in to do, you know, plug into payroll? Can we plug into scheduling? Can we plug into budgeting? Can we plug into sync on center, any of the different things that we offer and getting a view into all the things that are being innovated? It is really exciting. And I'm so, you know, thinking back, you know, several years ago, it was like us. And then it was cool that, you know, that, you know, we were kind of one of the first SaaS solutions. And it's fun, fun that we got to motivate a couple others. And it was this very tight knit small group. And now it's global, right? There's really interesting companies coming out of France, coming out of uh, the UK, it's interesting companies, you know, all over the US and Canada, New Zealand that are all doing fascinating things. Um, in different aspects of production, right? Whether that's got to do with pre-production, it has to do with collaboration around the video assets, uh, even location scouting is being completely disrupted by some startup uh, that I'm, I'm excited about. So there's just so many cool avenues to this that I, I do think, you know, these indie producers uh, that you're talking about, they are in for a uh, broad set of tools ahead of them. These are exciting times, as you've all alluded to. I think the pandemic creates an environment where people are open to change, but then also to your point, what we're going to see next, we're still figuring it out. Michael, tell us where people can learn more about ThinkCrew. Uh, well, you should go to thinkcrew.com. I think that's a good place to start. Uh, ThinkCrew has been free since I launched it in October of 2019, and it still is free. Because you know, I created the, the site entirely on my own. The overhead for the company is like a cup of coffee. Like it's just, it's basically just me and my time. Uh, I do have coders now, and I have a small team. Uh, so at some point, we probably will end up throwing that switch. But uh, but yeah, for the time being, come on in. It's a it's a free tool, and uh, I hope everyone likes it. Sam, why don't you go next? By the time people are listening to this, they should be able to go to everyset.com and check out uh, our different feature sets. The product will basically span, continue to span onboarding, data collection for timesheets on a daily basis that populate time cards that get calculated that go to the payroll company. Part of what we're planning to do, what we're building as, as we speak, is a very intuitive system for collecting that data from the crew that does not require them to go back over their notes. When did we wrap on Wednesday last week to fill out their time card? We believe that making the process easy for the employee, whether that's a background performer or a crew member, is vital to success in this challenge. And if you go to everyset.com, you can check out the specifics on that, request a demo, and somebody from our team will, will hop on a Zoom with you, walk you through the whole platform. It's one of my favorite parts of working for Castify Every Set is that it's not just a software company, it's also a people company. A lot of the best film production companies that support film production are driven by great people, and that's true of Castify and every set. So there are a team of people who support customer success, client success, all through the process. And so come request a demo, meet some of them, and uh, give us a shot. So Alex, you talked to us about Sync on Set, the company founded, but now also you have a different role in EP's leadership. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, for people that want to modernize the way they keep track of continuity, please check out synconset.com. I would say more broadly, for people interested in the industry or just looking for advice much more broadly, ep.com, and then go to the community section. And we've launched this thing last year when we did the master series called the production community. And the whole concept behind this was, let's create a place for our industry to go. And you know, EP pays, I want to say half a million people. I mean, we're paying most of the people in the industry, right, every year. So there's that group of people who know us, know us and love us because they get a paycheck from EP. Um, but really for anybody who's interested in the industry or working in the industry, um, uh, EP.com and then the community is a great place to just stay up to date on, you know, new information, what's happening in our industry. We do, that's where the master series. So we do all of these free webinars, you know, explaining all of our different tools a lot of free education, um, you know, production accounting one-on-one. Like I said, there's a huge talent shortage in our market right now. Um, if you're looking for work, you're looking to break in, it's a great set of resources just to get some skills, put it on your resume, apply for some jobs, and uh, you might be surprised. Uh, people are looking for people that are hungry, that are, that are just kind of picking up these skills where they can. And uh, at EP, we're trying to put some of that content out there. So anyway, that would be a great, great place to check out too. Thanks to all you for coming on today, guys. This is this is fun stuff. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Awesome. Thank you, Sid. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks again for joining us here at Below the Line. I always appreciate your feedback. You can send email comments to skid, S-K-I-D, at belowtheline1word.biz. That's B-I-Z. Every episode of the podcast is now on IMDb. So if you'd like to learn more about my guests, you can easily cross-reference their podcast appearances and film credits. Please rate us wherever you get podcasts. It helps us reach new listeners. If you're on Facebook, you can find photos of their behind-the-scenes materials at Podcast Below the Line. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Pod Below the Line. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Juan for our logo. The logo is available on t-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. As always, be safe out there.